Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful for the goodness of Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life. What he's done in my life. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for Brother Brother Parker and his, his lovely wife for having us come to this week, this weekend, and his wonderful hospitality. We're so thankful to be here. Good, good to be with friends. I hear Pastor's an amazing man. I got to know him the last couple of years, and I've uh, been working with the, in, the, in the district, and uh, all I can say is he amazes me. He's a great man. He's organized, and I love that. Because sometimes I'm not very organized. <laughs> so I'm thankful for what he is, for his leadership in, in our section, and, and I'm thankful for his, how, his sacrifice that he's made. Not just here in this church, but around the world when he's gone to do different things, and he's a great man. Thankful for Brother Marcus Miller and his wife, their friendship. I'm glad they were, we're here today. Thankful to be here in this church. So I want to start. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Revelations chapter 12. We're starting in verse 10 and 11. I know when you, when you hear Revelations, you think of, you know, end time preaching. And I, 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 I normally am not, not that direction. So, But I want to read the scripture tonight. Revelations 12, 10 and 11. It says, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of, of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Let's just put our, put our Bibles down for a second. Let's just pray that the Lord has his way in this service. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time together. Lord, I pray that you have your way in this place tonight. Lord, I pray that you, Lord, minister in this place. I pray that you speak, Lord, through me, Lord. I pray that you give me the words to speak, Lord, that will bless this congregation and bless this church, Lord Jesus. I pray that you get the glory today, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we're thankful today, Lord, for your goodness. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You may be seated. I want to talk about just for a moment this morning about my story. Many of you don't know me. Many of you don't know. Uh, many of you probably have never met me. I know some of you have met before, uh, but... I want you to know a little bit about myself before I get into this sermon too far. But I was born in the church. I was born in church. Uh, I was raised. I would, I guess, I'd be considered a, a third generation Pentecostal. Um, my dad, my, my grandma, my grandma came to church. My brought my dad into the church, and then now I'm in the church. And we would consider ourselves a third, I guess, a third generation apostolic. Um, and I look back and I realize this is. This is all I know. This is all I've ever, I've ever experienced in my life is this. Going to church services, and, and I've spent many a time underneath church pews, playing around with, with who knows what we brought to church those days. You know, my daughter always likes to bring, she always says, can I bring a toy? I'm like, oh, well, I guess one, you know. <laughs> but, you know, we, you know, I grew up in this. This is what, this is what I've grown up in. I've, I've played underneath the pews. I've, I've drawn, I've done many, on many back of many bulletins. And I've done a lot of things because this is, this is what I've grown up in since I was a little child. And my, hopefully my, my daughters and my son, they're going to grow up in this as well. And, you know, and I, I want them to be 
in the building. I want them to be with the body. I want them to be, to get to know the church and to get to know each person. I've been in this church, in church my whole life, and, you know, back where I live, there's, we've been in this building for about, I don't know, it's been a long time. We moved from an older building to the church building we've been in now for probably close to almost, I'm 30 years old, so at least almost 30 years old. And, uh, but I look at that and I looked at, at the church building itself and I think to myself, wow, that building's 30 years old. And I've been in that church my whole life. And I've been in this, we had this little church on Broadway when, we're, when, we first, when I first got, when I was born. I don't, I wasn't, it was there before then. <laughs> but when I was born, it was the church I was born into. And I barely, I just remember briefly some small things about it. I remember when we left that church for the last time to go to the new church building. It was a, it was a monumentous day, but it was snowing like crazy. It was, it was the middle of winter. And I don't know if you've ever, if any of you have been to Wausau and, and to the Pentecostal church, if you've ever been to our church, there is a hill. It's on a very large hill, steep hill go, that goes up to our church. You know, we, we call ourselves Lighthouse because we're a lighthouse. We're on top of a hill. Um, but that first service, it was a blizzard. And, and you can imagine, you know, back then, especially those cars were a lot bigger then, a lot more weight. We had a lot of people had a hard time getting up the hill to get to church. And I remember that, I remember that day because I remember when we left the church that day. I remember how, because it was one of those things just stuck in my mind because of what had happened. And so there are a lot of things that I remember. There are a lot of things that I can look back to and I can point to. I can remember an older gentleman in our church. His name is Brother Elkie. He used to sit in the back door. Whenever we tried to go through, go to the bathroom, if we went more than once or twice in the service, he'd stop us. I'm like, what? Hold up. You gotta go again. <laughs> we, we, I remember these things. These are things that I grew up in. This is my story. These are the things, and you can, you can try to tell me something different, but I remember them. As a child, I remember them. I remember, I remember the, the different things that had taken place. I remember when I was in, when I was, when I just took over as a youth, youth leader for the very first time, I remember weeping in our nursery classroom because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to reach young people. I was a young person myself trying to figure out how to do things. I remember weeping and, and crying because I didn't want to disappoint. I wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to, to hear the voice of the Lord. I remember that for the very first time, I remember the very first time that I felt the calling to minister to young people. And now in, in, as, it, as it progresses and grows, I remember being at a, this is not in our, in our church, but at a camp service, at a, at a senior camp. I remember just sitting, I was in, you know, if you've ever been to camp, there's that back row, those back, I remember sitting on the one, right in that main aisle there. I remember falling on my face. I remember that, because this is my story. These are the things that, that I have gone through, that I have added to my life. There are many times where God has been faithful in my life, and I can point to very different, different times, not just in church, not just the church things, but God's been faithful to me in, very, in a lot of other areas of my life. When, when my wife and I first started dating, about six months into our relationship, she was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, I remember the night that I, we found out. I remember the night that we found out that she had cancer. You know, it was kind of one of those things where the doctor first says, oh, well, it's probably nothing. And if it's something, it's, it's like 99% sure that it's nothing. And if it's, and if it's something, it's 99% sure it's not really that serious. Well, when you hear the word cancer, your mind automatically goes to from like not serious to ultra serious. And so I remember that night. I remember that the first night after, you know, her parents really didn't 
weren't really thrilled with her coming to church. She was 16 at the time. I was 17-ish, and they weren't really thrilled with her coming to church. Um, but that night after she had been diagnosed, they said there was a rally. There was a, a rally in Shano at the time. When, when, this is before Section 4. <laughs> we, were in, we were in the um, Appleton Valley this, uh, section. And so there was a rally in Shano, and I remember they prayed for her there. We prayed for her at that service. And then, then her parents let her come to church, uh, you know, there again because they figured, what's it going to hurt? <laughs> I mean, my daughter has cancer. What else, what, what else can we do? And so they let her come to church. We prayed for her at church. Um, and she had already just, she'd just gone through a couple of different treatments at that time of chemo. But the, by the time, but it wasn't very much time had passed in that time since that rally and then since our church had prayed for her. But those couple of weeks had gone by. And they went in for another scan just to see the status of where she was at. And, and when they got, she had gotten back to the doctors after the scans, they realized that all those cancer cells that they saw were, had shrunken drastically. And they couldn't quite tell the difference if it was scar tissue, if it was still cancer. They kept giving her, they kept giving her treatments because they didn't want to take the risk. But I believe that the Lord healed her body. I believe that because of prayer in Jesus' name, because He's faithful, that God healed her body. And, and when I look at that, I can say, you can't take that from me. Because this is my story. This is the things that I've learned. And you can say, well, that's, that's not a big deal. That was, oh, there was a chemotherapy that did it. It was this or it was that. But I believe that prayer did it. And God left that scar tissue just so that He could say, look what I can do. I can make cancer go from, from big to nothing. And it was, it was, during that time, she also had a larger, a, a larger cancer that they'd found near her pancreas. And they, when they went to that second scan, it was gone. Completely gone. It was one of the larger pieces that they had. And so, I believe that God healed her body. I believe that God had done something in her life. And I can look back to my life and say, He's been faithful to me in finances and provision because there have been times I prayed for jobs and God has delivered and God has given me a job. Just not too long ago when we had our first child, I, I was into a place where I'm like, God, I just need, I need some more. I need, I need to support my family. And I prayed. And within, within two weeks, God had opened up a door with an with a 11% increase of pay. Because, because I prayed. I believe that because this is my story. You can try to tell me and say, well, you know, they were just looking for somebody, so you've got a new job. No. God brought an opportunity my way because I prayed. Because I sought Him and I prayed for it. I can point to so many different places in my life where the Lord has been faithful to me. And one last thing. A couple years ago, we had, my wife and I had a little rough patch. It was in Coralie. Now she's five years old, but when she was about two and a half. <clears throat> She had a seizure. <clears throat> it was the first. It was probably one of the scariest times of my life. I don't know if you've ever had a child with a seizure. Um, it's it, one of the most helpless things you ever feel. You feel completely helpless and like you, there's nothing you can do. And she had a seizure, and and then two weeks later, after that, we found ourselves in the in the hospital again because we were at camp. Um, at a, we were helping with, with senior camp or teen camp. And all of a sudden, my, wife, my daughter started complaining with, about her leg was hurting her. Um, and she she just got over an ear infection, and she was already she was had she had given her some she was on she had hives already. I mean, it was just it was a really rough patch because I looked at her, she had hives, and she was and she just had a seizure two weeks earlier, and now she was complaining because she couldn't even walk. It hurt her too much to walk. And so we I'm taking her to the hospital, and we found ourselves in at Marshfield Clinic in the uh, the children's hospital because they thought that she might have had a staph, a staph infection deep in her hip tissue. And I don't know if you understand ha- staph infections, but if you can get deep enough in your in your tissue, it can go from like 
you know, nothing like not that bad to just you losing limbs within just short period of time within within 24 hours, two days, and and so they were in we were they were pretty they were pretty nervous, and so they sent her to the Marshall Clinic, and we we went through the ultrasound. They had, they had to put a needle in her leg, and I mean those are difficult times. I mean those are hard times as a father watching your first child go through some from very difficult things. It it hurt me. It hurt me in my heart. It hurt it hurt me. But we prayed. We had people that were praying for her. We had people that were, were praying for her at, at camp. We had all our friends that were there praying that night that we had left. They were having a, praying for camp, but they also prayed for our daughter there. And we had family that was praying as well. And we got home that night after after they did all the, they found it wasn't a staph infection. And so they said, well, it's going to probably take her a couple of days, maybe a week or so before she can really get back to normal. Because she had some virus, and they feel that the virus may have went into her leg, and it just, you know, so they said it may take a couple of days. Well, that night when she got home, she was running, climbing on things, and she was dumping on everything. She was completely normal. And I can look at that situation and say the Lord's hand was in that ordeal. And even though, even though it was difficult for me, even though I didn't, I don't, I didn't understand what was happening at the time, I can look back and say the Lord's hand was in that situation. And this is my story. This is what, this is what I can point back to and I can say, you know what, you can tell me, no matter what happens, you can tell me how bad, how, try to explain all these things away. And I can say, you know what, but this is my story. This is a story that's been written by Jesus for me. It, it happened in my life. This is what he's writing in my story. So you can try to explain it, you can try to discredit it, but you can't take it away from me. Have I ever messed up? Yes. <laughs> I've messed up. I'm human. I've made mistakes. I've made plenty of mistakes. Have I ever felt like giving up? Am I human? Are you human? Have we ever, have you ever felt like giving up? All the time. There are days you feel like giving up, just, you get up in the morning, like, I just want to go back to bed. <laughs> There's days I feel like giving, giving up, probably more times than I care to admit I've felt like giving up. Have you ever been hurt by somebody? I've been hurt by some people, and have, have you ever been offended? We talked about this more about forgiveness. Have you ever been offended by somebody in the church? It's happened, unfortunately, yes. And some, in, some, inver, some inadvertently, some people didn't even realize, you know, when you're talking about unforgiveness, a lot of times when you get upset, the other person's already moved on. They didn't even know they hurt you. And it's time that we also, also realize that, you know what, it's not, a, not that big of a deal. Maybe they did hurt me inadvertently, but we can forgive because they're already moving on. And so, yes, inadvertently, maybe some, and really, and some, sometimes I've been in front of my people in the church that it was intentional. But I've learned this. I've learned to understand that hurt people hurt people. I've learned to understand that in the life that I live, that I'm not going to live hurt because I don't want to hurt other people. When it comes to me giving my testimony, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, and hurt people because I've been hurt or because I've been set aside or that because I've been offended or because something has happened to me because God has been so faithful to me that I can't just sit back and say, well, hey, I'm, it's too bad. I'm, I'm not going to get involved because this has, taken, this has been taking place in my life. Unfortunately, there have been times where I've been hurt. There have been times that I've been, I've been offended. There have been times I've messed up. There are these things that have happened in, in my life. But I can point to Jesus Christ and say, there's so many things that you've done for me. There's so many miracles that I can point to in my life and say, this is what you've done for me, God. If somebody ever tried to defend me and try to get me to go out of church, I couldn't. Because God is too powerful for that. God has been too powerful in my life for me to say, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm done. I'm going to leave church and never come back. 
Because God has been so faithful to me. God has been so faithful in my life. And I look back at all these things and I say, you know what? God has more power than that person does. God has more power than that person does. If that person offends me, if I leave the church because somebody offends me, I'm basically saying that person has more power than God. And I want to tell you right now, I believe in a faithful, I serve a faithful Savior that loves me and cares for me, has done so many things for me that I'm never going to turn back. I'm never going to turn my life into something else because this is what God has done in my life. And this is my story. This is the story that God's given to me. I've sat nearly, I've sat through nearly 60, 7,600 messages in my life. Even more, I don't know. I'm, I'm 36 years old, so I'm trying, I tried to like calculate that out, you know, you know, with, with, with church services and, <laughs> church services and camp services and all the, and I'm probably missing some, but 7,600 messages in my lifetime, I've sat through. I've heard. God's spoken to me and God's done something to me through those messages. And sometimes when you're, yeah, when you're younger, you don't, you're sitting underneath the pew, you don't, you don't really realize what's happening. But just because you're sitting under the pew doesn't mean that God can't speak to you. Just because your kids are sitting under the pew doesn't mean that God can't minister to them in a church service. Because they are taking in what is being poured out from the pulpit. They're taking in what is being, what is being poured out from the instruments and from the praise and worship. Because no matter where they're sitting in this church building, they're taking in what God is doing right there. I don't care if they're sitting underneath the pew. I want my kids to be where God is. I want my kids to be where there's an opportunity for them to be reached. Because, you know, what happened is, is I can look back and that I can realize that I've been invested in by so many. 7,600 messages I think about. My story was written, not just by Jesus Christ, but by men like Brother, Brother Parker here. Men in my church and, and, and women in my church that have poured themselves into me. They helped write those stories. They helped impact my life. They helped do, do things. And, and I want to tell you that my story and my testimony is a testimony of the church. Is a testimony of each and every one of you. And your, your children's testimony is a testimony of, of the church and God's life-saving power. God's life-keeping power of the cross. Because you know what? I can look back. I don't, I'll be honest with you. There be, I've never, I've never done drugs. I'm, like I said, I've, I'm a third generation Pentecostal. I've been, I don't remember, I don't remember going to parties. I don't remember even doing anything, you know, what the world considers fun, you know. I remember, I don't, I've never done those things. I've never, I've never drank, I've never done alcohol, I've never had, done drugs, I've never done any of those things. And that's a testimony of God. That's a testimony of the church. That's a testimony of His life keeping power working inside of me. I want you to understand that when we, we all have stories. We all have testimonies. And don't ever let anyone try to take it away from you and say that it's not good enough, that it's not enough that you can't, that you can't turn to. If you grew up in the church, there's nothing more impressive than that testimony. If you grew up in the church and you've never tasted alcohol, there's nothing more impressive than that testimony because that means that God has gripped you so much. He said, I'm never going to let go because you've been faithful to me. I want to be faithful to you. I, you've been faithful to me in so many areas. I want to be faithful to you in my life. 
Don't let anybody ever tell you that your, stack, that your testimony isn't good enough. I've heard so many young people say, well, I don't have a good testimony. I haven't gone out partying. I haven't gone out drinking. I haven't done any of those things. I don't got a testimony. I want to tell you today that you have a testimony. If you've never experienced those things, that's completely fine because God has given you a testimony that is greater than all other testimonies because he's kept you from those things. He's kept you in his hand and kept you safe from those areas. God is amazing. Don't let anybody ever take away your testimony and say that you're not good enough or it's not good enough. Because there are people in this world that need to hear that there is a powerful Savior. That while the rest of the world is struggling and while the rest of the world is bound by addiction and bound by these things, there's a Savior that's strong enough that can pull them out of that mess and has kept me from that thus far and has pulled them, can pull them out of that. We serve a, a powerful Savior. Let's go back to that verse, Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. It says, I w- Then I heard a loud voice saying from heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of, of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, uh, for the accuser of our brethren, who has accused them before God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did, not lo- they did not love their lives even unto death. This verse is a triumph- triumphal re- verse in Revelations. This verse is very triumphal. When you think about it, it's saying that, that, that the salvation has come, and the devil, who is what they call him, the accuser, accuser of the brethren, has been cast down. In the, in, the end t- in the last days, we have to understand that the accuser of the brother is going to be no longer. He's going to be no longer powerful in your life. He's no longer going to be accusing you and saying that you can't do so. That, that this accuser, the devil said, devil who probably spent every day of your life that you've been living, has said in your ear, you're not good enough. You know the mistakes you made? You're not good enough. You can't possibly do something for God because of this. Fill in the blank. And the accuser of the brother comes against you every day. But in one day we're going to realize that that devil, the accuser of the brother is going to be cast down. We're not going to have to be bound by that anymore. We can look back and say, this is a triumphal verse because we know that he's been cast down. That he can't sit back and he can't accuse us anymore. He can't say, you're not good enough anymore because he's been cast down. It says that, and this is the good part here, it says that anyone, it says that you and I, accuser brethren, who are you? are you? We're the brethren, right? Which means we're the church, right? It means that he's, we're the church, we overcome that. It says that they overcame that. They overcame all those things by what? The blood of the Lamb. Because you see, you know, there's going to be a day when the devil is no longer. But while we live on earth here, we can understand that we've overcome those things by what? The blood of the Lamb. When the devil comes against me and says, you're not good enough, I can say, but the blood has covered me from all those things. The blood has covered those sins. I am no longer bound by that. And no matter what you try to say, the blood has made it so I can be able to be used. And that God can use me to witness and minister to someone else's life. And the devil say, how can you do that? You can't possibly. And I can say, by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb that, been, that was, was poured out on the cross for me, that blood has made it so that I can be used and that I can be, I can be in His presence. And I don't have to worry about what the devil says. No matter what he tries to accuse of me, whatever, no matter what he tries to say about me, I can look back and say, you know what? It's under the blood. Because you know what? Jesus Christ doesn't remember it. 
the blood washes it all away. And he doesn't remember it. And, and so the accuser is going to try to come up and try to accuse you and say, look at this, look at what he did. Look at all the things that he done wrong. And you can say, where is it? Point me to it. I mean, I don't even remember it. But he doesn't. Because it's been covered in the blood. I'm no lawyer. If I was, I'd probably have by driving a nicer car. But I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. But correct me if I'm wrong. When you're accused, you, when, you're, when somebody has accused you of something, there's only a few things that could possibly help you out. And one thing is, one thing is mercy. If you've been accused, only thing that's going to help you out in the, in the accusation process is mercy. The second thing is what? A testimony. The second thing that is going to help you, and anything that's going to help you when you've been accused, is a testimony. It says that we are overcomers because the blood of the Lamb dropped all the charges against us. That mercy, that blood has dropped all the charges. And when the devil comes up and says, look what they did, look what they've done, you can say, but the blood has chopped all charges. I'm not a lawyer, but I can tell you that mercy, when somebody drops all the charges, you're off. You're done. You're okay because they've dropped all charges because you're no longer bound by the charges that, have, that, have, that, you've, that they brought against you. And when the devil comes accusing, the best, next best thing is we can testify. We can testify and say that this is how things used to be, but they're not that way anymore. But not that way anymore. You see, I have a new life because of the blood of the Lamb. It all comes back to the blood of the Lamb. Because when we have been accused, we can testify. And it, whenever that blood is applied to our lives, that's as far back as we need to go. That's as far back as we need to travel because we don't have to go back and relive and rehash all of our past mistakes and our past failures because we can say, well, look what, well, it's in the blood. That's as far back. When I was saved, that's when I was brand new born. I was brand new, brand new life. I don't have to go back and rehash all the bad things that I've ever done and say, you're right, devil. I've done all those things. I can say, you know what? This is where my life started. When the blood is applied to my life, my life began. My life started from that point on. So I don't have to go and relive those things. We can testify in how things used to be, but they're not that way anymore because God has given us a new life. First, Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "Sorry, my my notes are." Second um, Corinthians, sorry. Yeah, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's new. Brand new. His old things. All those old things. All those mistakes. All those bad things. All the things that people accuse you of. All the things that you tried, you tried so hard to hide from. They're passed away. They're passed away because they're no longer part of your life. Because when the blood of the Lord is applied to your life, you're dead. And the new life begins. It says, Behold, all things have become new. All things are brand new because when the blood is applied to your life, and you can testify that, you can take it to the court, you can take it wherever you go and say that, you know what, I may have done those things in the past, but that's not where I am anymore. The blood has cast, blood has given me victory over those things. All things have passed away, and all things are made new. You see, the New Testament church grew because they were not afraid to share their testimony. I want to tell you that the New Testament church didn't have search for truth. New Testament church didn't have the Pentecostal experience. 
They didn't have in, in my new home. They didn't even have Acts 2.38. I mean, Paul, Paul had said it, but they didn't, they didn't have a Bible scripture they could turn back to and say, hey, well, Acts 2.38 says. No. They had the word of their testimony. When they came up, when, when they would go to talk to people, they'd say, look what God has done in my life. Look what God has brought me from. I used to do this, but I'm no longer that way because God has done something different in my life. They didn't have those things. And I want to tell you right now, if you want to save more people, we can teach Bible studies, it's great. But if you want to save people, you want to reach people in your community, you tell them about Jesus Christ. You tell them what God has done in your life, what God has delivered you from. And you can say, you know what? My life is brand new because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can give them your testimony. Because when we look back, we can teach as many Bible studies as we want. But people are changed by, the, by Jesus Christ and the word of the testimony that you speak to them. You know, my testimony may not work for everybody. But yours may work for most people. My, my testimony can work for anybody. But you know, we all have testimonies. We all have testimonies, and people need to hear them. People need to know them, because we, like I said, we can teach Bible studies. And it's important that we do teach Bible studies, but it's also very important that we tell people about what God has done in our lives. What God has taken us from, what God has taken us and removed us from, and say, I used to be there, but I'm not there anymore. I used to struggle with that, but I don't struggle there anymore. I used to have problems, but I don't have problems anymore because Jesus Christ has been faithful to me, and the blood of His, blood of the Lamb has been applied to my life, and I don't have to be bound by those things, and all charges have been dropped. Hallelujah. We have to understand that it's more than just that. We can't, how many people have, it's hard to argue with a testimony. You can say one thing. I mean, you can tell me, hey, you know, that's not right. You can tell me that, oh, that's not possibly true. But you have to understand that you can tell me those things, but I've got, a, I've got an experience. A person with an experience trumps an argument, trumps anything like anything that you would try to say. If I have an experience in something, you can try to discredit me, but I can have experience. I can say, well, you can talk all you want. I know. I know what's happened. I know what God has done. We, we have to understand that we have an experience and that no one can take that away from us. Because you see, no matter what happens, it's been written right here. This testimony has been written on our hearts. This testimony has been, has been written right here so that no matter where I go, I don't have to have my Bible necessarily. I can open up my heart and be like, this is where I've been. This is where I've been through. And this is, and in 2 Corinthians 3, Verses 2 and 3 says, You are our epistles written on our hearts, known and read by all men. Because you see, our testimonies are read by all men. When I share my testimony, people get to see the goodness of God. It says, Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. This is of the heart. Our testimony is written on our hearts. I mean, I have my Bible with me all the time. But I know that I have an experience with Jesus Christ that I can, I can open up and share with you any moment of the day. I, I mean, I always have my Bible with me. I mean, I always build a carrier with me on my job. I may be in a place where I can't carry with me, but I know that I got it in my heart. I know that there's a testimony that I can share, that I can tell somebody that Jesus Christ has done so many different things. My story was not written on paper. I mean, I've written some things down, but my story is not written on paper. But rather, all those people in my life that have, dev that have devoted time into my life, have poured themselves into me through messages and through prayer and through all those things, they have written that testimony. 
they've written that testimony. There's an, an older man, old gentleman in church who just passed away. He's a great man. His name is um, Mac Jacks. He's one of the ones that started the church, one of the main men that started church in the Wasa, started the Wasa Church. One of the very few that came at the very beginning. And I look back at that and I realize that a person like him, he's been so faithful. He's been an amazing man. He's written part of that in my heart. The things that he's done and the things that he's invested in my life has been written on me. And I can point to that and say, look what he's done in my life. Look what God's done in my life. And look what he's done through Brother Jacks. And look what he, through those men, what God has accomplished. For that, I wouldn't know where I would be if it wasn't for those men that had invested and had written in my life and have written parts of my testimony. Because you see, when you look back and when I look back at my when I look back at my life and my testimony, I realize that my life is a testimony of just the keeping power of Jesus Christ. How well He has kept me from all the things that the world has tried to throw at me. But I can't boast in that. I can't say, well, look what I've done. Look at me. Look what I've, look what I've had to overcome and look what I've gone through. It's, it's not about me. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross. Because you know what? If it wasn't for Jesus Christ, where would I be? And so I can't boast and say, look what I've done. Look what I've brought myself through. Look what I've tried to, I've brought myself through. I can't do that because it says I can't boast in those things. But God forbid that I boast in anything except for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. By whom the world has been crucified to me, and I am to the world. I can't boast in those things. I can't say, look at God, look at what I bought myself from, because Jesus Christ has brought me through those things. I can only boast in the cross of Christ that has changed my life, not by anything that I have done. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, says, For by grace, what? By grace ye are saved through what? Through faith. And not of ourselves. <laughs> If it was up to me how I'd be saved, I probably wouldn't be saved. It was up to me trying to make myself good enough to be, to be saved or to make myself good enough to do something for God. It wouldn't happen because I could never do it on my own. But it says, by grace you are saved through faith, but not of yourselves, because it's the gift of God. And believe us, we've tried really hard. It says, but not of works, lest any man should boast. We've tried very many, very many times to do things our own way. We try to use our own works to try to get God to do things and say, well, God, I've done this, I've done that. And we try to use our own works and our own things, but we can't. Because without Jesus Christ, we've got nothing. Without the cross of Jesus Christ, no matter what good things I've done, it means nothing. Because it's important that we understand that Jesus Christ has made a difference and is, is, is the difference makers in our life. And we can't boast in anything else but the cross. Because we are saved by the gift of God. I received a gift. I received a gift from God. And I want to make sure that I, don't, I tell people that. That it's not something I've done. And not something I can, I can take pride in myself. But I can point to Jesus Christ and say, I can't take any credit. But I post, I post it to Jesus Christ. And he's done everything in my life. The verse goes on and says that, and they did not love their lives. This is, this is the end of Revelation 12, 10, 11. So they did not love their lives even unto death. When you, hear this, when you hear this passage, it's a hard pill to swallow. I mean, honestly, when you hear it, the first thing you think of is that they loved, they loved not their life even unto death. And we look at that and we think to ourselves, that's just hard. Hard to understand, you know, that it's a hard pill for us to swallow. Death? It seems so final. But I want you, I want to focus on one word in this passage. There's a word that says unto. 
the death. It says, they love not the life unto the death. Yes, the word death is in the scripture, but the word implies it's much more than just death. Because there's much more of life that we have to understand that has to be lived for Jesus Christ than just dying. Yes, we may be called to die. We may be called to, to lay our life down for our faith. But it says here that they, they love not their lives unto the death. We look at many scriptures like this, and we take it right to the extreme. I gotta die. <laughs> I gotta die for my faith. We take it right, I mean, we're human beings, that's the first thing we think of is the extreme. We go from, from zero to sixty and we're done. And it's like, what, I gotta die now? I gotta give up everything and I gotta die? We, we take it to that extreme. There are songs that, that are out there saying that, there are songs out there, and says, if loving God, God is against the law, then, then I'm an outlaw. And, and you, you look at these things, and, and, I, and we have to be ready to say that if loving, against, loving God is against the law, I'd be an outlaw. We, we have to understand that that's a possibility. And we, know, we have to understand that those things could happen in our lifetime. I'm not going to say that those things are never going to happen to us. As Christians, we're going to face persecution. We're going to go through some things. We're going to have some tough times. But I want you to understand that are you ready to, if, if you're ready to be an outlaw for Jesus Christ, okay, let me just... If you're ready to, like, die for Jesus Christ, all right? If you're ready to be an outlaw for living for Jesus Christ, are you ready to walk across the street to minister to your neighbor? Are you ready to walk up to somebody in the grocery store that's struggling and praying for them? Because, I mean, if you're ready to die for Jesus Christ, you better be ready to minister to your neighbor about Jesus. You better be ready to give somebody your testimony about how powerful Jesus Christ is in your life. Because the, we, if we're ready to go to that extreme, can let's dial it back a little bit. What's the less extreme thing you want to do? Are you ready to give, are you ready to tell your neighbor about Jesus Christ? Are you ready to tell your, your family, your friends, those that are around you, your coworkers, that Jesus Christ can change their life? Are you ready for that? Because if you're ready to be an outlaw, it should be simple to go witness to your neighbors. Should be simple to go tell somebody about Jesus Christ. John, First John three sixteen and seventeen says, "For by this we know love, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. But whosoever has this has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him?" We talk about this, you know, we lay our lives down for our friends, lay our lives down for our brethren. But if we've got good things in this world, and we see somebody in need, and we say, well, God didn't ask me to die or anything. We don't give to our neighbor. We don't give to those in need. Does it say that the love of God really abide in him? Does the love of God really abide in our lives if we're not willing? If we're, it's easy for us sometimes to say things like, I'll be an outlaw if it, becomes, if it comes to that. But can't you be a giver? Can't you be someone who loves your neighbor first? Because it may come to that someday where you have to give of your life and you have to give of uh, become an outlaw. But right now, we live in this earth. If God's given you things and we shut up our hearts to those that are in need, to know, they need to know Jesus Christ, it says that does the love of God really abide in him? And I have to ask that question to myself because sometimes it's easier for us to just to kind of, when we see things happen, just kind of step back and say, well, I'll get it later. I'll find other times to do that. Like I said, we go to the extreme. But are we really, 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 really willing to lay? Are we really willing to lay down our down what we know is life today to reach our neighbor? Our life. 
I don't mean like physical life, like death life, but things that make us comfortable. Things that make us, things that make us feel, uh, feel satisfied. Like we're willing to lay those things down and sacrifice those things so we can reach a broken and lost city. Is that what we're really willing to lay down? Because it's easy for us to say a lot of things. It's easy for us to say, I'll, I'll lay down my life. But there's an application that we have to understand that unto death. Because there's a lot of life that has to be lived before you get to death. And that means that every part of what we live needs to reflect Jesus Christ. Every part of what we do needs to reflect our love for Jesus Christ. We love our neighbors enough, our family enough, our city enough to lay down the things that define our lives. The things that define each one of us and say, I'm going to lay those things down so that I can reach somebody. So I can reach my neighborhood. So I can reach and love someone. It says here that... Romans chapter 1 and 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God, for God, power of God to salvation for anyone who believes that the Jew first and also the Greek, for the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as written, the just shall live by faith. And I look at the scripture and I realize it says, For I am not ashamed. A lot of times we, we quote that scripture and we stop there. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I don't think Paul really had that. I don't think when that was written, I don't think that was really... I think it's more of this that says, I, can, I refuse to be ashamed. I cannot be ashamed of the gospel because it's the power. Because you have to understand that this, you have to look at the last part that says, because it's the power of God into salvation. I can't be ashamed of the gospel because that's where I get my power from. That's where we get the power of God from is, is through, through the power of God is through the gospel of Jesus Christ that we share with one another. I can't be ashamed of it because that's where the power comes from. So we have to understand that when we reach, this is our story. This is the thing that we reach. When we minister to those around us, we share our testimony. We share those things. And we, are we willing to lay down some of those things so that we can reach our lost world? Are we willing to tell people about our testimony and say, this is what God's brought me from. This is where the Lord's taken me from. And I can, I can point to areas of my life. I can point to those things and say, I know you're hurting. But this is where I've been brought from. I know you're hurting. I've been there myself. I've maybe experienced those things in my life myself, and I can point them back to Jesus Christ. Because when we look at this whole thing here, we says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because that's where the power comes from. The power of what? Power of God unto salvation. The gospel saves people. And you living the gospel and letting the gospel be part of your everyday life saves people. Because that's, that's, that's the gospel written on our hearts. That's the gospel that everybody sees. Because you know what? Your neighbor may never pick up the Bible. Your may never, may, neighbor may never read the Bible. But if they watch how you live, and if you're living the gospel, if you're not ashamed to live what the Word of God says, then you're going to change the world around you. Because they're going to read what you live. They're going to read the way that you live and say, I want to be like that. I don't have to worry about those things anymore because I look at so-and-so. I look at Brother Marcus and I realize, hey, his life is different. I need to be different because they're reading what he is living. I can go out there and I can, I can preach as much as I want, but if I'm not living it, I'm not changing lives. Because it's the power of God. It's the application of the gospel of Christ in our life that changes people, that saves people. If I'm not living it, then I'm not saving people. And so I look at this as my story. The gospel, the very end, has to be part of my story. Everything that I do has to be intertwined with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And I look at the church, and I look at where I, where I came from, and I look at where God has brought me from, I can look and say, the gospel is in my life. And it moves in my life. It's been moving in my life since I've been a child because I don't want to let go of this thing because it is so powerful. It's kept me. It's kept me safe. It's protected me. It's been, he's, God's been so faithful to me. And this gospel that we live and that we, that we live for, I'm not ashamed of it. And I don't wear that like a badge, like I'm not ashamed of the gospel, but I can't be ashamed of it. Because there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be ashamed of it. You know, you know unfortunately, so many, too many people, when, they, when they, people ask questions, they're like, oh, they just tried to deflect because they're afraid of what they have to say. They've deflected, like, oh, I don't want to answer that question because that's, you know, maybe too deep or it's too... But I'm not ashamed of it. The gospel doesn't need, doesn't need apologists. The gospel doesn't need us to, to apologize and say, well, I'm sorry for what the Bible says. No, I'm sorry. We don't need to apologize for the Bible because the Bible is true. The Bible is, is real, and it needs to be applied to our lives every single day. So when we live it, people read it. When, they, when, they live, when we live it, people read it inside of us, and they say, this, is, this person is different because the gospel is inside of him. People need to hear your story. We can all stand. People need to hear your story. People need to hear you what you have to say. I'll tell you, when I tell you my story, I want, want you to understand that when I tell you my story, I'm telling you Jesus Christ. When I tell you my story, you can believe, you better believe that my story is going to reflect Jesus Christ and the mercy of His mercy ever present inside of me. And I want you to understand as I wrap up this morning, I want to tell you that about a Savior who's healed me, who's helped me, who's delivered me, who's taken me from where, maybe the things that I've done wrong, maybe he's, he's taken me from the mistakes I've made and he's let, let me grow. He's taken me from those things. And I want, to notice, I want you to know that, that there is healing in Jesus Christ. There is victory in Jesus Christ. No matter what you have need in your life today, no matter what is going on in your life today, there is healing in, your, in Jesus Christ right now. I want to encourage you, if you've got a need in your life, no matter what it may be, whatever, whatever situation you may have in your life, I want, I want to encourage you that there is a Savior here today that is willing to heal you, that is willing to help you, that is willing to direct your steps and help you find what you need. If you have a need in your life, I want to encourage you to, why don't you come forward? We want to pray. We want to pray this evening, this, sorry, this morning. We want to pray because I believe that God has something He wants to do in your life today. Don't be afraid. Because I know that the Lord wants to do a work in your life today. So praise the Lord. These altars are open this morning. Amen. If you.